Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. Morning, everybody. Well, would you open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 17? Luke chapter 17, and we're going to start in verse 5. But as you guys get there, I'd just like to say to all of our first-time guests, welcome home. Uh, so grateful that you're here today. Uh, my name is Matt. My wife Jackie and I, we are the lead pastors here at Fountain Church. And uh, really no fluff. We're, we're glad that you're here. We've been praying for you. And um, just want to encourage you, please check out our non-creepy tent outside again. And uh, grab a cup of coffee. Um, we'd love to get to know you a little bit better. Love for you to hear a little bit about who we are. And uh, just so grateful that you're here. Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 5, says this. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Everybody say increase. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted, planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Very simple passage, but I want to unpack it today in just a very real way. I, we, we've been in a series entitled The Hidden Way. And i got to be honest with you. When we started this series, I had planned to go in a completely different direction, meaning we were going to do a hidden way uh, each week. Um, contentment, uh, just, a, a multi, just a few other different topics. But supposed to stay the first message, I knew that God was shifting something. And I felt like we were supposed to stay in this lane of the hidden way of faith. And then I talked to Pastor James the week prior. I said, hey, man, this is, you know, the series that we're in. He said, man, you know, faith has just really been on my heart. I'm like, perfect. And uh, so we're going to stay in this lane or in this vein of the hidden way of faith. And I want to speak to you today from the subject of faith in focus. Faith in focus. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your grace on our life this morning. God, we so desperately need you on so many levels. And I know that people are here today um, on all different parts of the journey. But, Lord, I'm so grateful that you're able to meet us where we're at. And I pray that you would speak to us in a real way. We don't want to play church this morning. We don't want to just kind of go through the motions. God, we want to we know you more. We want to encounter you this morning in a, in a very real way. So as we open up your word, God, would you open up our hearts and our minds um, that we wouldn't just get some facts or some principles, but a greater revelation of you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. We started this service a little bit late. I apologize. Our, second, our first service went a little bit longer, and you'll see why. Um, but uh, we, we normally like to get started punctually on time. So if it was a little crazy out there, I apologize. It's my fault. Um, <clears throat> But I want to take you way back two weeks, uh, two weeks ago, to a, a, a very interesting moment in my life. Now, I, I was at the AT&T store, and I was upgrading my phone, and the place got robbed while I was there. Right? That's what I said. Of all days. It, it was, I mean, great story. We, uh, we were sitting at the table, and I was talking uh, to the young lady that was you know, doing all the transactions, and hopefully she's coming to our church. She might even be here today. But um, 
but we, we were at the table and we were talking about church. I was letting her know I'm a pastor. And it just opened up a whole, you know, conversation as we waited for my phone to download. And all this, this fun stuff that takes you two hours at the AT&T store. Um, love AT&T. Big shout out to AT&T. Um, but we're sitting there and we're right in the middle of conversation. She puts the phone down. She runs away. She says, you're going to get robbed. And she ran to the back. And so I'm sitting kind of like, you know, my back to the side of the door. And I'm like, what, what, what? And so I see these two guys come in, hoods and barge into the store. So I, I had two rules that I set up in a matter of seconds. And it was this. It was, I'm not going to do anything as long as they don't touch any women and children. And as long as they don't touch anybody's personal belongings. Right? Because all the AT&T stuff, it's all insured. It's not worth the risk, so to speak. So, uh, so they started tearing up the store. Now, I do have to say... I got a little bit gangster on, on this. I was proud of myself. In light of last week, I was like, man, I still got it in me. I still got a little bit, a little bit in me. And so, so I'm standing back. Everybody's taken back because the store is getting tore up. And I look on the table, and both of my phones and my wallet were on the table. And you ever have one of those days where you're like, I don't have time for this, Right? I just don't have time. And so I, me and one of the guys caught, we, we locked eyes. It was one of those moments happened in probably a matter of seconds, but it felt like minutes. And we locked eyes with each other, and I just grabbed my phones, put them in my pocket. I grabbed my wallet, put it in my pocket, like, not today, devil. I don't got time for this. And, um, and so long story short, it, it looked kind of hysterical. I mean, they're, they're running out of the store, and the cables are hanging, and... It was so discombobulated. It wasn't a good job at all. And, um, and it's funny because these moments, God always uses these moments to speak to me. I mean, the Bible says that wisdom cries aloud everywhere. And so I, I was considering this as I was preparing for these upcoming messages. And I thought what's so interesting is these guys are barged in really bold and brazen and what appeared to be brave. But really they were operating from a posture of fear. You might be saying, well, what do you mean? I mean, they're barging into an AT&T store. That seems pretty bold. And, and I get that. But, but fear always pursues what's on display. Fear always pursues that which is seen. Where faith pursues that which is unseen. That which is behind the wall. That which is in the office. That which is in the vault. And it's interesting because when you look at what's on display, what's on display is not able to go the distance. Like I started to really think about it. These guys, these guys came in and, uh, and they're trying to grab everything they can on display. But you and I both know that the displays, they're, they're plugged in the whole time so the battery gets drained on the phone. It's not going to go very far. There's tracking devices on everything now. So good luck on that one. Not to mention, they got no accessories. And they might be able to, those phones might work for a little bit. They might even be able to make a little bit of money off of them. But it's not gonna, they're not going to go very far. And what's on display is always subject to change. So what was interesting is as I was sitting there uh, for the two hours and uh, walking through this process, about 30 minutes before it happened, a gentleman walks into the store and he's staking it out. It's like, come on, man, like, could you be a little bit more obvious? 
And so the manager caught wind of it right away. And so as soon as he left, she took all the Apple products and put them in the back. See, everything's on, everything that's on display is always subject to change. So these guys barged in, bold and brave. They look at the Apple section. Oh, nothing was there. It's like a, it's like a criminal's worst nightmare. No Apple products. Like they got a couple of Androids, no offense. But all the Apple products were gone. And you could see the guy get taken back. He looked in like, oh, they're all gone. What, what, do, I, what do I do now? What's on display is, is always subject to change. It, it, it can't go the distance. But what's behind the wall, what's in the vault, what's on the other side of the wall of the display is a lot of unmarked phones, iPads, lots of cash. I was so grateful these guys were operating from a posture of fear. Because it could have got a lot worse if they were going for the vault. But I just started to think, you know, that which is behind the wall, that which is unseen, it really can go the distance. It could, could have taken them a lot further. I mean, if you're going to risk, if you're going to risk all this, you might as well, you know, go after the gold. It would take them further, a little bit further financially. It would take them, you know, they have brand new products. It would, it would just go a little bit further. It would go the distance. And I thought, man, how, how true is it? That Satan loves to stifle our faith by getting us to buy into fear so we're only looking and settling for what's on display. Like he works so hard at that. And a lot of us have experienced this. He says, come on, look, look, at, look at your marriage. Look what's on display. Look how dark it is. Like you really think that's going to change no, look at it. It's on display. Like, come on, you're single. It's tough being single when you want to get married. And all the singles said, amen. <laughs> and he says, look what's on display. Another day you woke up by yourself. You start to feel that fear rise in your heart. You're never, they're never going to come. Prince Charming doesn't exist. Rose from the Titanic, it's a movie. Look what's on display. Come on, how, how, about, how about when we look in the mirror and Satan says, really? You're a mess. And you're always going to be a mess. Look how you've made a mess in your family. Look how you've made a mess with your mouth. Look what's on display. I mean, come on, he loves to, to, to display our past. He loves to keep our past on display before us, doesn't he? Look what you've done. Like, come on, you really think that God can redeem that? Come on, why don't you just settle in? Because it's on display. Meaning, that's it. That's all there is. You just go ahead and settle into that darkness. He loves to get us to settle. And if you remember the, the acronym that I used when we started this message on the first installment was he loves for us to settle and stuck. Loves for us to live in the darkness. It's love for you to settle in your sin. Just, just settle. Look at that sin on display. You're never going to be able to get out of that. You're trapped. Come on, just click again. Another click. Just go ahead and settle. 
settle for our trials, do you really think that you're going to get out of this one? Look how long it's been. Just go ahead. Settle. Right. Look at, look at your health. You really think something, you really think that you can have life when you're in so much pain? Come on. Settle. Look what's on display. Right, what about our unbelief? You really think God is out there? Wouldn't he have done something for you? Wouldn't he have, have helped you out a little bit? He's not coming for you. Look what's on display. Look at your life. If there was really a God, I mean, come on. Go ahead and settle. He, he wants us to settle to be consumed. Like, come on, you know all the things that we know are unhealthy for us, but we still just medicate on all of it. And just allow our lives to be consumed with this and with that. Why? Because we're looking at what's on display. We don't see possibility of change. We have a void and lacks in our life. And we know that God is the way. But no, just go ahead and settle. And you're stuck. Just go ahead and, and settle. What about your pride? Just look how awesome you are. My goodness. Look at that. Look in the mirror. Look what's on display. You don't need these people. You don't need relationships. You don't need to be in a small group. Like, you're good. Go ahead and, and just, just settle for that. What about, what about insecurity, right? Uh, one of the, the greatest forms of pride is insecurity because it's still all about us. And look, at, look, how, look, look how people treat you. Look, oh, I, I wonder if they thought this about you. Oh, look at that. Look how they said that. Do you see that reaction? Did you see that, that word that they used? They really don't like you. They just settle. And you're stuck. Just go ahead and settle and you're stuck. See, Satan loves for us to settle in darkness. He just doesn't want us to realize that Christ has overcome it. He doesn't want us to realize that God does some of his greatest work, ladies and gentlemen, in the dark. Uh, like, like, for example, when Moses was leading the, the people of Israel out from slavery for 400 years from the land of Egypt to the promised land, well, as they... You know, left at, uh, at around midnight, Egypt, to, to take off into the wilderness, they were faced with the Red Sea before them and the Egyptians behind them that wanted to slaughter them. Now, it's pitch dark. A lot of times we don't think about that. We watch it in movies and cartoons and it's always light. But it was dark in the wilderness. Not a light to be found. They have a sea that's obscure in front of them and they can hear chariots coming for them in the background. And God says, oh, I know it's dark, but I've made a way. I know it's dark. What, what about Peter on the Sea of Galilee? You ever think about this? A storm arises on the sea and it's dark. And Jesus comes out to them walking on the very storm, walking out on the sea. And the disciples can't even recognize him because it's really dark, maybe a little moonlight. And it's like, we don't know who, is that a ghost? And somebody says, no, man, that's, that's Jesus. And Peter says, Lord, I can't see you, but if you call me, I'll hear your voice and I'll respond. Not only did Peter step out of the boat and walk on water, but he stepped out of the boat in the dark. See, God does some of his greatest work in the dark. But Satan would rather have you settle in the dark rather than overcome it. That's just how he operates. That's what he loves to do. Look what's on display and settle. But here's the good news. Good news, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Is what's on full display is not the full story. 
I mean, how cool is this? When you really think about it, when you go to, let's say, an AT&T store, just use that as another example, and you're looking at all of these phones that are on display, what are they doing? The phones are simply pointing to a greater inventory. That's what they're doing. They're saying, hey, we have this in stock. And see, a lot of times Satan wants us to look at what's on display and say, that's it. And the Lord says, oh, no, 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 no. I got inventory. Oh, your relationship is broken? I got plenty of forgiveness in the back. Oh, what you're facing in an, an impossibility? I got plenty of power in the vault. Right? It's never the full story. What's on display is never the full story. It just points us to a greater reality, to a much greater reality, and reminds us that there's a greater inventory that we cannot see. Now, this is huge because uh, I heard a story from uh, a man by the name of Jensen Franklin. It's, it's actually a pretty popular story, uh, and it goes back to 1982, Wisconsin. Uh, the, the University of Wisconsin was battling out with Michigan, 60,000 fans in Badger Stadium. Just an incredible sight. Well, it didn't take long for them to realize that Michigan was the better team. Because they were losing rather quickly and rather rapidly. And so it, it just wasn't a good day at Badger Stadium. But something started to happen in the crowd. That the more they were losing, the more the crowd erupted in shouting. I mean, it got so obnoxious that, that the coaches and the players started to get confused. Like the coaches are looking up in the stadium like, hey, uh, are you guys watching the same game? And it was complex. Like the players are looking up like, do you, do you see us on the field? Did you look at the scoreboard? Like, and they're just erupting and they're just, you know, erupting with cheers. And little did they know. In another stadium, the Milwaukee Brewers were beating the St. Louis Cardinals in game four of the 1982 World Series. And people in the stands had their portable radios and started to share the news that we're about to win this thing. And so cheers are erupting throughout the entire stadium. And everybody was like, what's going on? But the people in the stands were like, yeah, woo, this is great. And everybody's like... What in the world is going on? You see, what they were hearing was completely shifting their perspective from what they were seeing. The stuff that they were hearing, that there is a greater victory happening in a different arena that started to fill the stadium with this, I mean, it completely distracted them from what was happening on the field. They had a greater revelation of a victory that was happening in another arena that had completely shifted their focus from what was on the field and what was on display. And this is the great contradiction of Christianity, or at least it should be. People should look at our lives as we said in the first installment, we should live unexplainable lives. Like, as followers of Jesus, people should look at us like, why do you have so much peace? Like, I know your life. Like, your household is in turmoil. You just lost a loved one and there's 
There's a sense of stability. There, there's, a, there's a sense of, of peace and joy. Like, like there's actually, like your whole world is crumbling and all this. And, and you're still laughing. Like you're still confident. And you do that worship stuff even though everything on display looks like it's horrific. Our lives should confuse people. And, you know, because people should look at us like, are you crazy? And it's like, no, I'm not crazy, but I am hearing some things. And there's a different arena where a victory is happening that I'm so sorry. I know what's happening on the field, but I've got my heart and my mind set in a different place. And I know it looks crazy to you, and it should. Why? Because of what Paul said. Look what Paul said. He said, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. What? You must be in like extreme denial. No, no, I, I know my life's a mess. So, how about those writers? And, and Niners. How about those Niners? Look at you guys, lose your mind. Get back to this arena. Get back to this arena. There's a greater victory that's happening. Don't look at defeat. Just kidding. He says, and I cannot understand them. I'm sorry. And they cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. And, and so the world looks and they're like, I just don't get it. What's on display completely contradicts the way that you live your life. It seems kind of ridiculous. It seems foolish. Because the world only has what's on display. That's all they got. They're just looking at, this is it. Like, come on, I got I to gotta make sure I'm, I'm a super success here. I got to make sure that I got all my ducks in a row. I got to connect all my dots. I gotta, because this is it. And we're like, oh, bless your heart. There's so much more. There's a brand new arena. And it's, and it's, it's an arena where if you're taking notes, you might want to jot this passage down. It's an arena where we live by faith and not by sight. It's, 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 a, it's a different arena. And Jesus was teaching his disciples this along the, his disciples this along the journey because it's hard to, to cap, capture this. Like this message is very simple, but it also can be very difficult. It's very easy to understand at first hand, but it's not until you get a revelation of this message that your life will actually change. Like, like for instance, Jesus, let me show you a picture of a fig tree. Jesus was out with his disciples one day, and Jesus went up to the uh, fig tree to grab some fruit off of it. So he grabbed some fruit, or he, he went to grab some fruit, and there was no fruit. And even though it wasn't, I don't even think it was fig season, um, how many of you guys know we need to be ready in season and, and out of season? When Jesus comes to us and says, come here, let me grab, some, let, me, let me get some of that fruit. I want fruit on this tree. Because what he says next, he says, may nobody eat from you ever again. And the disciples are like, dang. He missed that green conference, right? Um, but they went about their day, no big deal. Well, the next day they show up and they walk past. Jesus already knows the deal. They walk past and Peter's like, hey, Jesus, uh, hey, man, that, that tree that you cursed, it's dead. And Jesus, I could just imagine like, oh, Pete, man. <laughs> Peter, Peter. Peter. You are so focused on what you're seeing, but 
hearts. You need to start leaning into what I'm saying. I, I know you didn't see anything change right away because the moment Jesus said that, they probably looked at the fig tree like, eh, nothing happened. Nothing that was on display, but that root system on the inside, whoo, shriveling up, dying. And he said, Peter, Peter, you need to lean in a whole lot more to what I say than what you see on display. And so Jesus is trying to, to get them to understand this reality that Paul wants us to grab in Romans chapter 10 where Paul says this. So it, it's faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Now, now hearing, it's not just like, okay, I heard, where's my faith? Okay, got a couple great principles, couple of great facts. It's awesome. No, see, hearing the words of God. Listen, God just doesn't want you to gain a couple of principles. God just doesn't want you to skim through so you can get a quick fix. He wants you to get a revelation of who he is. He wants you to, to, to know him in such a way where life changes forever. <laughs> Not just a cool service where you're like, oh my gosh, it was so awesome today. And then, and then, and then you go right back to your life and it's kind of, eh, where's God? No, no, he wants you to get a revelation of him that's so deep, that transcends everything that changes you forever. And, and let, me, let, me, let me tell you what, what I mean by that. Like he, he wants you to really understand who he is, his character. He wants you to get a grasp on the reality of eternity, the reality of the temporary condition and situation of this life. He wants you to get a reality of the glory, of his weight, of his beauty. He wants you to see him in a way, not where you're like, that's cool, but like in a way that's like, oh, <gasps> Because this is what happens. If we're going to get our faith in focus, faith doesn't start with trying to, all right, let me try to believe. Faith doesn't even start with saying, well, Pastor Matt said I got to have faith today. So, what is that? I'm going to try to believe. Believe in, I think. No. That faith doesn't go very far. It's not faith in you and it's not faith in faith. It's faith in a revelation of who he is. And when that happens, let me, show you, let me show you what happens. Let me break this down a little bit deeper. See, when we get revelation of who he is, it becomes the foundation of our faith. And then what happens after we, 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 we're beginning to know him deeper, more richer, his beauty. Like, like the more that I, uh, we, we're going to be married 13 years this month, right? Amazing. I feel like I got some credibility now. But can I just tell you, and, and I told Jackie this the other day, I am so much more in love with my wife now than I was in the beginning. And I thought there was, that was impossible. But I can just look at her and her beauty, it just gets deeper and richer. And, and I, it just, I still can't believe that she married me. <laughs> like, what in the world? Like, sometimes she'll be sleeping. <laughs> this is kind of creepy. She'll be sleeping. I'm just looking at her like, is this for real? Why did you say yes to me, right? Satan's like, look what's on display, bro. You're not very good. Um, but what happens is when we get a revelation of him, all of a sudden Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 starts to come to life. That faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things that aren't seen. So let me show you how this works. So we get a, a deeper, as we get a deeper understanding of who Jesus is, 
all of a sudden our, 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 our faith starts to get a little bit stronger, right? And what it does is it produces an assurance that he is who he really says he is, that he's faithful, he's true, like he can be trusted. And as a result of that, it produces a conviction in our life where it's like, oh, man, like I know too much now. And then all of a sudden it leads to a focus that we can't get away from. So, so like, let me give you an example. Yeah, Jackie, I love her and it's all good. But sometimes we fight. And there are times you're, you're like, oh, you fight? Come on. Come on. There's a lot more you don't know. Um, Hey, and there's sometimes I just want to hold it. Like I just want to be mad. I just want to make her pay. <laughs> right? I'm tired of, I'm tired of laying my life down. I'm tired. I just, I want to make you pay. Godly pastor, right? <laughs> but here's the problem. Is I do get mad. But, and Jackie can attest to this, I can't stay there long. Because I have a revelation of who he is and what he's done for me, the grace that he's extended towards me. I also have a revelation of his word that says when I am at odds in my marriage, he does not hear my prayers. So it breaks, it puts a disconnect in my relationship with God, the most important relationship in my life. So what that does is it leads to a conviction that I hate sometimes. I'm like, oh gosh, why do I feel so bad? Uh, fine. Because it produces a focus that I can't get away from. And all of a sudden, faith now is in focus. And it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him. And Paul the Apostle, he, he lived in this place like nobody else. I mean, he lived, and, and, and he's just a man just like you and I. Ladies, I mean, he's just a human being. But Paul lived in this place. And look, look what Paul said. Look how he described it. He said, man, I've got such a revelation. He said that I'm, uh, we don't lose heart as a result of this. Like, I know who Jesus is. I know what I desperately want you to know. And he said, though outwardly we're wasting away. What Paul was saying is, I know you look at my life, I'm scarred up, I'm beat up. It's been rough. I mean, how many times Paul was left for dead, persecuted, stoned, flogged, shipwrecked. You know, people were tearing him down from inside the church. I mean, the guy just, it was just a, it was rough. And so when Paul says, hey, on the outside, I know the display doesn't look too good. He said, but there's something happening that you cannot see. And he says, I know the outside doesn't look very well, but on the inside, we're being renewed day by day. He's like, man, something's happening on the inside of me. I know all hell's breaking loose. But he says this, and he says, for our light and momentary troubles. Now, this word light in the Greek, it means weightless. And there was nothing weightless about Paul's difficulties. There was nothing weightless about his afflictions. They were heavy more than some of us will ever bear in our lifetime. But he said, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but they're light and momentary. Like, Paul, where are you living? In a different arena. He said, 
He said, all these light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. He's like, I'm sorry, guys. I know what's on display doesn't look too good. But what's happening on the inside, I'm exploding. And it's incredible. It's so incredible because I know that there's a glory that's awaiting us. That, that what's on display, Paul said, I know even my trials cannot go the distance. Because what God has for me. What the glory that is waiting for me far outweighs what can only last for a moment. And I can't explain it to you, but it just feels light. And he says, so this is what we do. He says, so, continue. He says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul was saying, listen, there, there, there's... This goes way beyond just a couple of principles. This goes way beyond just understanding a couple of facts. This goes way beyond that. I'm living in a whole new arena. Look what Paul said. He goes on to say in uh, verse uh, 6, he says, For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus. you got to read that like 20 times. But what Paul is saying is the same God that said, let there be light in creation, has to turn the light on the inside of us. And so as we read his word, as we begin to see who he is, the spirit of God comes and begins to illuminate our hearts and our minds to say, there's a bigger arena. There's a victory on the horizon. It's not the end. And, and, and all of a sudden, Paul says, man, this goes far beyond just a little bit of head knowledge. This has completely changed the way I live my life in light of the beauty and the majesty and the glory of Christ and what lies ahead for me. I love what John Piper said. He says it like this. He said, being persuaded that something is true is not the same as apprehending the beauty or the worth of that truth. So many of us, we can skim through our Bibles. Stop that. We're not just trying to get through a chapter. We're trying to get a revelation of who he is. It's so hard for me to read my Bible without looking for Jesus. Lord, I mean, from Old Testament to New Testament. And, and there's something about when you behold the beauty and the majesty, you know the difference. You may not think you know, but you know. Uh, like, like, for example, when I was engaged to Jackie, I'm getting married that year. It was like I was living on a different planet. I'm about to marry the woman of my dreams. Something that I never even thought, like, like I never even thought it was possible. That's crazy. I wasn't, like, super insecure or anything, but I was just like, I just, uh, she, was just a, she was out of my arena. And, and I'm blown away. I wrecked my truck that year. I pulled the whole front end off of my brand new Sierra. 20-inch 20, 20 rims. Those were, like, big back in the day. I, I was... Tore off the whole front. I didn't even care. I'm like, I'm getting married. Like, tear up my truck, take the house, the dog, whatever you want to take, I'm getting married. Like, we know that. Like, like for example, maybe you're here and you're a follower of Jesus and you, you, you have that worship song. You know that worship song, right? You get on K-Love and you're like, oh. <laughs> right? You're trying to drive. Hey, and then you try to show it to somebody. Listen, you've got to hear this song. You've got to hear this song. And they listen, they're like, it's good. <laughs> You're like, no, 
you know that it's a good song, but you're not beholding the beauty and the worth of the truth that it's declaring. Because if you just had a revelation like I had, you would be crying. And no, it doesn't mean you always cry. If you don't cry, it's okay. You're not, something's not wrong with you, all right. Jesus didn't say, oh, you're crying, you're special. Like, don't listen. We're not driven by our emotions. We're driven by faith. And we got to get it into focus. Are you tracking with me? Like you can know that the apple pie is great, but there's something when you taste it and the flavor explodes in your mouth and you're like, oh. And then you crave that all the time. Sushi, come on, there's, there's something in sushi. Addictive substances in sushi. Because you've tasted, because you've beheld the beauty of it. And so I know a lot of you are thinking, well, I want that. That's how I want to live my life. Well, the disciples wanted the same thing. They came to Jesus and they said, how can we increase our faith, man? Like, because everything you're asking us to do is impossible. How do we increase our faith? So if you're taking notes, jot this down, just one point today. If we want to increase our faith, if we want to get our faith into focus, we have to make Jesus the object of our faith. Very simple. But it's a little bit deeper than you probably think. The disciples go on. They ask Jesus. Let's look at it together. They say this. The apostle said to the Lord, hey, show us how to increase our faith. And the Lord answered, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and thrown into the sea, and it would obey you. Beautiful little mulberry tree. This is a tiny one. This is a United States mulberry tree. Let me show you a Middle East one. Middle East ones are big. Mulberry trees are really interesting. They have a very complex root system that go down very deep. Of course they do, Jesus, right? Very deep, very complex, very interwoven, just tough to take out. Not to mention they grow in the Middle East about 100 feet tall, about 50 feet wide. Um, They hate water. It's like, you want me to plant it where? They hate water. Want me to plant it in the sea? And this is what was really interesting, is they can bear fruit for hundreds of years. And I felt the Lord gave me a word for somebody today, that you're here today and you've had, you've had a mulberry tree in your generation, for generation after generation after generation. And you've just felt like it's too complex, it's bore too much fruit, it's outlasted everybody. And the Lord says, it can still be uprooted. It can, listen, it can still be pulled out. So don't think because it's been there for a long time. Jesus said, no, 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 just lean in to what I'm about to say. Just, just, just lean in for a moment. And so, so I, I want you to get this picture. The disciples are there. Jesus is explaining all this. And they're like, that's impossible. Okay, you want us to uproot this thing and plant it into the sea? You said, that's impossible, Jesus. And Jesus is thinking, that is exactly precisely what I want you to catch. It is impossible if you are the object of your faith. See, you're focused on how do I increase my faith. He's saying, get your focus off of you. Get your focus even off of faith. It's not faith and faith alone. Get your, get your focus on me. Come on, if, if, we're, if our faith is going to be in focus, we're going to have to fix it a little bit. He's saying, get it off of you. Get it off of your faith and get it on me. Don't think about how do I increase my faith. Think about how powerful and majestic I am. 
Don't think about how do I increase my faith. Think about how beautiful and wonder and how, how redemption has that, that's been provided for you has radically opened some crazy doors. Think about how I am the God of all creation. So Jesus says, uh, you guys aren't quite catching it. See, see, real faith requires a lot of humility. A lot of us want great faith, but we don't want to die to ourselves. Let me say that one more time. We want great faith, but we don't want to die to ourselves. You know, Peter, for a long time, I think he was the object of his faith. He just really didn't know it. But there came a point in Peter's life where they he, a, a guy gets healed. And everybody's like, what? This is crazy. This is amazing. And Peter says, why do you look at us? As if by somehow our godliness has made this man walk. You guys are focused on what's on display, but something's happening behind the scenes that you really need to pay attention to. You're looking at the wrong object. Don't look at us. With faith comes a great humility of realizing that, yeah, apart from Christ, I can do nothing. We want great faith, but we don't want to die. We don't want to die to ourselves. And what Jesus was saying was this, if you're taking notes, jot this down. What he was saying was this, is that faith in focus, faith is in focus when it's focused on Jesus. Faith is in focus when it's focused on Jesus. So they come and say, how do we increase our faith? And Jesus completely changes the conversation. He's like, oh, guys, okay. You're thinking about quantity. You're thinking wrong. So you're thinking about increase. So then what does Jesus do? He grabs the smallest seed. And he says, it's never been about how much faith you have. It's always been about the power of God and, we're the, and, and, and what is the object of your faith. He said, because even if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, as small as a mustard seed in the infinite, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God, can I just tell you that that little bit goes a long way because it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you. And so, you know, I, I, I think a, a great picture, a great picture of this is found in the life of Stephen. And we're going to wrap up with, with this. In the life of Stephen, let, let me paint the picture for you before we go there. Stephen was, uh, you might not have heard of him. He's kind of a hidden hero. He was just a servant. He waited tables, full of the Holy Spirit, though, full of wisdom. And there came an opportunity where he got to preach the gospel to some of the religious leaders of his day, which was a very dangerous thing to do. And he's proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And they're like, what? He's preaching with such authority and power and wisdom. They're just like, what in the world? They're so frustrated. And Stephen's just giving it to them like, boom, boom, boom. And it's getting hostile. <sighs> you can hear, probably hear the, 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 you know, the rustles in the crowd. And I'm sure in that moment, the enemy came to Stephen and he said, look what's on display, bro. They're going to kill you. Look what's on display. You better silence your mouth. That fear creeping in. Look, Stephen. You're going to die, dude. Be quiet. Look what's on display. Look what's sure you want to do this. Stephen said, I'm, I'm looking to a whole different arena. 
when it was getting hostile, it says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see it, the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Stephen said, oh my goodness, I'm seeing from a whole different perspective. Now some of us would say, I would love to have an experience like Stephen. Then step out like him. Step out. Trust God in the dark and watch how God meets you in that place. And so Stephen was like, I see him. I see him. And they're like, what, what do you see? And it says they got so mad they closed their ears like babies and just went, blah, blah, blah. And then they picked up stones and they began to kill them. And you just think for a moment. In that moment, what Stephen, a lot of times we focus on tr mulberry trees that need to be removed on the outside. But Stephen was uprooting some very big trees on the inside. Tree of fear, gone. The fear and the sting of death, gone. To top it off, he wasn't done, throw them. And, and to, to, to top it off, he wasn't done pulling out trees. All of a sudden it goes on to say, as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. <sighs> Unexplainable life. Paul the apostle wasn't even saved at this time. Paul is given the green light for this guy to get stoned. And Paul's like, I, I can't understand you, bro. What, what are you doing? He says, forgive him. What's happening? Mulberry trees. Bitterness. Resentment, gone, anger and murder, sorry, can't stay here, uprooted, thrown into the sea. Impossible stuff. And he's being killed, but he's so free. Sometimes I think we forget that faith uh, a lot of times doesn't just get us out of the fight. Sometimes it's faith that keeps us in the fight. A lot of times in, in, in Christianity we like, oh, let me believe so God can get me out. No, you might want to believe because God wants to get you through. Like, we, we can't lose sight of that. And so, so what was happening to Stephen? He was beholding. Just plummeted. But I see him. It feels light. It feels momentary. I know it shouldn't, but God, forgive him. It's all right. It's okay. Forgive him. Don't hold this against him. That's beholding. Hebrews chapter 11. After the great hall of faith, you know, by, by faith Noah built the boat. By faith Abraham went. By faith Rahab welcomed the spies. By faith these guys conquered lions and all these different things. But then there's a little chapter we don't like to read. Uh, at a little, little, little paragraph at the end of this. It says, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at. Their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Continue. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. And others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Come on, how many of you guys do you think you got it bad? And all these people earned a good reputation. Come on, man, I thought faith was supposed to get you out. No. Faith will always get you through. Sometimes the victory is going to look like you conquered. 
Sometimes what's on display is not going to make sense. But God is moving and God is working behind the scenes in a way that you will never be able to understand, never be able to fully comprehend. But it's weightless. It's momentary and it's light because I'm beholding the beauty of Jesus. And check this out. None of them even received all that God had promised. Christ hadn't even come. But they lived their life based on what God had said, not based on what was on display. So what am I saying today? I'm saying one thing. You need to spend time. You need to spend time with Jesus. And I feel like as your pastor, I haven't said this enough. Maybe I even need to apologize. Spending time with Jesus, it's not just opening up your Bible for a few moments in the morning. That's awesome. Do that. You should. Have that quiet time. Have that time isolated with him. Do that. But Stephen was spending time with Jesus on the mission field. He was in the game. He's spending just as much time with Jesus there, in the field, on the game. Listen, how do you spend time with Jesus? Man, get into a small group. Get connected with Christ's body. I mean, so a lot of times we just resort to, to just, okay, I'm just going to open up my Bible. And my time with Jesus is just 15 minutes in my Bible. That's awesome. Great place to start. But listen. We're living in times where we don't have time for just a few facts, ladies and gentlemen. We have to behold. We're not called to live explainable lives, but inexplainable ones. So what am I saying? I'm saying spend time with the creator of the universe. And watch what happens.